Welcome to a review episode of Waiting in the Sky with TJ Starman. Today, we're going to be tackling Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. This is the sequel to the original Doctor Strange movie. I believe it was released in 2017. Uh, so about five years ago now. Um, before I get into a non-spoiler review to kick off this episode, I just want to remind you, if you've not already, please like, rate, review, and subscribe uh, on whatever platform you're listening or watching on right now. If you take the time to do that, it really helps me out a lot. So I want to thank you if you have taken that time already. I want to encourage you to do so if you've not. Um, and thank you in advance for doing so. Um, a couple of other points I want to touch on. So Episode 206 of the main show released last Thursday, this past Thursday. Um, I covered Nicolas Cage, the highs and lows of his film career with Richard jumping in on that conversation. We're playing a game of good cage, bad cage, as I've coined it, um, to kind of really highlight some of the highs and lows of just a completely polarizing actor's career. Um, the other half of that episode is ranking the Harry Potter movies. Um, and so I was super excited to bring back Brian Brackets, um, who had appeared on our uh, March episode where we got into March Madness. We talked about the look of the Irish and DCOMs in the past. Um, but I really felt like he kind of got shorted in that episode. So I wanted to bring him back for something a little bit more meatier and uh, Harry Potter. You know, there's that's a huge topic. And so uh, he and I shared our personal opinions on those movies. We compared those with the Rotten Tomatoes critics and audience scores to create a consensus ranking of the Harry Potter movie franchise. So if you are a fan of Nicolas Cage or Harry Potter, episode 206 is going to be for you. And then last week's review episode uh, was actually a unique one. I covered the 2022 NFL draft and specifically the Chicago Bears uh, draft class. Uh, so I was able to go pick by pick and assign grades, uh, you know, however you're feeling about grades uh, for draft picks. Super, super early, but wanted to just go with a gut reaction to kind of quantify how to feel about that draft class. So uh, pick by pick basis, we have individual grades and then also a grade for the draft class as a whole. So if you are a Chicago Bears fan, uh, definitely encourage you to, to listen to that episode as well. And without further ado, uh, I want to get into a non-spoiler review of the movie and then we will transition into the spoiler filled version. So if you are someone who has not yet seen the movie, you're a little on the fence, uh, about seeing it, or you just want to get hyped up about it before you go, this non-spoiler review portion is going to be for you. If you have seen the movie and you want to get all of those juicy details in your review, you're going to probably want to listen to the spoiler review portion. You can definitely listen to the non-spoiler as a little bit of um, a bonus if you'd like. But that's kind of uh, the direction we're going with this episode. So let's get into it. So for a non-spoiler summary of the movie, I um, just want to give you a really, really broad kind of overarching view of what the story is here. So essentially, America Chavez is like a teenage girl who has the ability to jump from universe to universe across the multiverse, right? And we're seeing that there are monsters or demons that are after her and trying to sap that power from her um and dr strange is helping her so 
that's kind of the basis, and we, we get that right off the bat. And essentially, they're now journeying across the multiverse, along with Scarlet Witch as well, uh, playing a key role in this story. Um, and we get to see the different universes in this multiverse. Um, we get to see variants. Uh, we were introduced to that concept in the Loki series, but essentially a variant is a different version of a character that exists in a different universe. And uh, ultimately, I also think that this story is about Doctor Strange seeking to prove himself as righteous and to save America Chavez, who is, you know, a, a young girl who's on the run. And so he is taking on kind of a guardian role um, to protect her and taking responsibility for her. So that's kind of the, the general storyline. Um, I'd like to get into the direction. Uh, and so I think what is a key piece of information to hit on here is that uh, Scott Derrickson, who had directed the original Doctor Strange movie, was on tap to direct this one as well. However, a couple of years ago, he ended up stepping back. Um, and Marvel, I think, found the perfect replacement, probably just the perfect director for this movie in general, in Sam Raimi. Um, Sam Raimi, if you are not familiar, uh, not only did he direct the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, um, however, he also directed, he got a start in horror with the Evil Dead series. So those are the two things he's most known for um, and big, just a showcase of, of his talents and abilities across those two series as well. So I will say that his directorial influence is definitely felt throughout this movie. Um, I think in the visuals, you can see that there is a kind of a similar flair to the Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, in particular, the transitions. I think there are some moments where you get a character remaining on screen from one scene while the background is transitioning around them. It's very much something that we would see in those Spider-Man movies. Um, also, there are sequences that kind of remind me of like the opening uh, credits sequence where you see like, you know, all the webs and things like that and the DNA becoming spider DNA. Um, there's some moments like that that I see in Doctor Strange. And I'm like, oh, that, that's definitely Sam Raimi doing his, his visual flair there. Um, the genre is also something. This is super key. Um, I would describe this as a horror adventure film. Um, and it takes place in the MCU, obviously. So there's a certain amount of levity that does come with a MCU movie. And I think that it's, this movie still has that, for sure. There, like, there's some pretty good jokes, and there's some lighthearted... Uh, heartwarming moments throughout as well. However, I, I do think that this very much is a horror film. So if you are a fan of horror, that might be something that's really exciting to you. If you're not the biggest fan of horror, I want to say it's not like hitting you over the head. It's not something that you're going to be on edge the entire time. You're going to be scared the entire time. I think that it picks its moments and it really executes well in those moments. So it's balancing that kind of feeling of tension that you get in traditional horror along with those lighthearted moments as well. And I think that's something that Sam Raimi was the perfect choice to, to carry out. And so very, very impressed by Sam Raimi's uh, direction in this movie. I also want to say um, the music music is super well done because as complicated and as of a blend, as I just described with this genre of this movie, you have to find music that is going to accentuate that, is going to emphasize what's happening on screen and really add to it and not distract you in any way. 
uh, and make sure that it doesn't fall flat. And so Danny Elfman uh, scored this movie, and he does just an excellent job really hitting those various tones. Um, you know, when it's more ominous, you're going to feel it in the music. When it's something, um, you know, there's I, there's a jump scare or two in this. Uh, I'll be honest with you. You definitely feel, uh, you know, like that stabbing bit of sound in those moments as well. Um, and so Danny Elfman just... It's not a surprise. The man does great work and he continues it here. So the music, absolutely excellent. Moving on to the writing, I want to say this is a surprisingly well-contained story. So I was expecting this to kind of be all over the place. You know, you kind of get the throw it at the wall and see what sticks kind of approach sometimes when you're dealing with this multiverse storyline. We saw a lot happen in Loki. We saw a lot happen in What If. Uh, And so I was kind of expecting that. Honestly, even like Spider-Man, you got a lot kind of involved in the story. But this really felt like the multiverse contributes to Doctor Strange's story as opposed to the other way around. So this is not the Doctor Strange being used as a vessel to talk about the multiverse and to introduce the audience to the multiverse and set things up in the MCU. To a certain extent, does it do that? Yeah, absolutely it does. That's the brilliance of Kevin Feige and the Marvel machine at this point, is they know how to sprinkle the breadcrumbs and set things up. However, where I'm really impressed with this film in particular, and also some of these more recent Marvel films, is that it ends up being very self-contained and is a story that makes sense under the title character. And so this very much is a Doctor Strange story, uh, and I, I really love that they did that. They executed this very well. I do think it's, it's also relationship focused throughout, you know, I, I touched on a few of the characters when I was talking about the summary, you know, America Chavez, Dr. Strange, Scarlet Witch, like you get some of these interactions between characters, um, that really contribute to the overall story as well. So I think that was excellent part of the writing here. And then those larger MCU connections are, like I mentioned, like they're, they're sprinkled here and there and they're played to effect, but they're absolutely not relied on. Like this movie does not expect you to just be wowed because, you know, so-and-so was name dropped or so-and-so makes a cameo. Like, and, and that's why you're going to see it uh, a first, second, third time. No, this movie is very much a Doctor Strange story that stands on its own, is really well done. Oh, and by the way, it takes place in the MCU, so you're going to get, you know, a sprinkle here and there of something greater, you know, around the corner. So extremely well written overall. The performances, I think this cast is excellent. It's hard for me to really pick, you know, like a single standout because I thought they all did extremely well. Um, There are five sort of main characters that I want to touch on here. And so Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. Um, He's making, I believe, his fifth appearance in like a main storyline in the MCU now. Um, He's been evolving on screen and we've really seen it. And it's interesting because you only get a taste of the character uh, in like Avengers Infinity War, even less in Endgame. But you still kind of see him evolving. And I think this movie really does a good job calling back to the way that he has evolved. Um, And one thing that's unique to this story, at least so far, is that these actors are playing multiple versions of the same character. And so Benedict Cumberbatch does an excellent job playing different versions versions of Doctor Strange here. 
And it's something that I, you know, I was really impressed in, in the way that he was able to do that. Um, Benedict Wong returns as Wong, um, who is the you know, acting Sorcerer Supreme. We've seen that already um, with Doctor Strange being gone in the blip. He has been consistent since his first appearance in the original Doctor Strange um, and is just a character that we have grown to appreciate. Um, I believe he's also made five appearances, most recently in Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi. Um, and so Benedict Wong, absolutely excellent here. Uh, he's given a lot to do, um, and not necessarily like an integral part of the storyline, but is given a lot to do here. And I think he does well with what he's given. Rachel McAdams makes uh, her return to the MCU. This is just her second appearance, um, you know, obviously being introduced in the original Doctor Strange. Um, she plays a big role here again as the love interest of Doctor Strange. And I think that uh, she is also given multiple versions of the character to play and does a good job of inhabiting, you know, a different version of the character and really, um, you know, playing up to that a little bit. I, I do want to say if there, one of, if there was a standout, I, it's going to be Xochitl Gomez, who I believe I pronounced that correctly plays uh, America Chavez. And so she just really from the beginning, it, it shows you that, you know, she's here uh, to be just an integral part of the story. And the, as an actor does a great job of commanding the screen, despite being younger, uh, you know, being the youngest in this cast and being a, a kid. Um, she's such a, a crucial part of the story. And so if she were not able to provide an excellent performance, it would have been very noticeable and it would have been almost painful throughout, but she's able to really take ownership of this role and is definitely a character I would love to see more of in the future. Uh, and then finally, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch. I think she does a fantastic job. Another actor who is having to play different variants of a same character uh, she is just a mainstay of the MCU at this point, uh, making her debut back in, well, I guess in the post credit scene of uh, The Winter Soldier, but um, making her first full appearance in Age of Ultron, uh, and then having been through in Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, and then WandaVision. Elizabeth Olsen does a great job really making you feel the emotions of Wanda slash Scarlet Witch throughout. And uh, is is a performance that, again, if she was not able to hit a certain standard, um, could easily have fallen flat. But she has proven to understand the character that she's playing. It has evolved, I think, with the character on screen and uh, really capitalizes on her screen time here as well. Um, and is really, you know, like I said, the, the whole cast is kind of a standout, but I think Elizabeth Olsen as well really proves um, a lot here on screen. So if it wasn't obvious, this is definitely a movie I'm a fan of. So I would absolutely encourage you if you are on the fence, this is definitely one to see. If you are someone who follows the MCU, um, then you probably already have seen it, but it's going to be a great stepping stone um, and really adds to a lot of the characters we know already um, and gives us America Chavez, who is a character that could be super important moving forward. We'll see. Um, but definitely if you are a horror fan or if you're a fan of Raimi's past work, 
I think you'll you'll love this for sure. I think that was kind of the vibe that I got from it as someone who um, sort of discovered Evil Dead after the fact, but was a huge Spider-Man fan during those Tobey Maguire movies. Um, I really felt the presence of Sam Raimi as a director. Um, and I, so I think if you are someone who has enjoyed his past work, you'll probably really enjoy this as well. Uh, and then also, if you are just a fan of the characters of Doctor Strange or Scarlet Witch, I think there is so much here from both of those characters in different versions um, to enjoy. So I think if you're a fan of them and you are someone that wants to learn more and wants to see more of them, there's some fascinating stuff here for those characters. So absolutely encourage you to check this out if that's the case. A little bit of prep watching that I might recommend. So what I would call quote unquote required viewing for this to prepare would be the original Doctor Strange movie, as well as WandaVision, the uh, Disney Plus series starring, starring Scarlet Witch. Um, I think that both of these really lay the groundwork that Multiverse of Madness builds on. And so I think that if you ha are able to absolutely check these out, I think these are the must sees to prepare yourself. If you want a little bit more to really help fill in some of those gaps, uh, then I would also recommend Infinity War and uh, What If Season 1. I, and that's another Disney Plus series. I think both of these add a little bit more to these characters' stories. Um, specifically, Infinity War adds more to Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch. And then What If really hammers home the idea of the multiverse. So something that you can also kind of build up that concept for you if it's still something that's a little foreign and no pun intended strange at this point but that's it uh for the non-spoiler review portion if you stick around for just a bit we'll take a quick break and then we're going to jump into that spoiler conversation so if you've not yet seen the movie that's going to be your time to dip out but don't worry we've got the whole rest of the episode to cover all those details after you have seen the movie so don't be afraid to pause, come back after you've checked it out. We'll be here. All right, welcome back. Now is the time uh, we are going to really dig into spoilers for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, and I am joined not only by Richard, who uh, you will obviously recognize from chiming in on almost every episode of the podcast, but also another familiar voice. Uh, Benjamin X is returning to talk more Marvel. Uh, you would have heard him on our episode talking about uh, the top five Spider-Man characters. So uh, Richard, Benjamin, how's it going today, guys? It's going great, brother, bud. Thanks for having me. Oh, you know, I'm living that dream. I, I built a desk earlier, uh, so I, I did something this Sunday. Hey, you got to feel good about that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're we're productive here. Uh, I'm very grateful to have both of you to to jump into this conversation because there's there's definitely a lot to talk about. Uh, and honestly, um, we're recording this on Mother's Day, which is like surprisingly fitting for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! That, right. I can't believe. <laughs> yeah, that you say that. That is so totally true. <laughs> And I, I, this might be out there. I've not seen this, I swear, but I was just typing up my, my notes preparing for this. And I just was trying to abbreviate the, the movie's name. And so I wrote strange M O M. So oh, multiverse shit. of madness, M O M mom. Hey, that's, 
that, I mean, that could have been intended, but that that's a wicked co coincidence. They're just trolling us. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so obviously, um, if you are listening to the spoiler review portion here, you know what we're talking about, or at least hopefully you've seen the movie. Um, obviously, Scarlet Witch and in, in having maternal instinct overload <laughs> is a big component of this movie. Yeah. Um, go ahead. <laughs> so it's surprisingly that and that was one of the biggest takeaways that I had. Um, I, just to cover kind of some of those big, broad takeaways. And before we get into more of the, the intricate intricacies of the movie, um, it, it's also really self-contained. I don't know about you guys. I was expecting this to be just like multiverse chaos like we, we just saw spider-man and they had all those characters with just spider-man i was expecting to see like you know 30 different variants of marvel heroes we've already seen um that's a that's a fair that's a fair assumption and that's kind of like that's the way i kind of went into going to infinity war i remember those were my same expectations um, I think they definitely served on on different versions on of uh, Avengers and Marvel superheroes, but yeah, they didn't go crazy like with cameos. I I don't know how much that works. Like have a million different people like show up, but I, I was very happy with the cameos that they that they had. Yeah, definitely. I I think that I made this point in the non spoiler section, but I I felt like the multiverse stuff instead of like using Doctor Strange as a way to just, you know, show you cool multiverse stuff. It really felt like they were intentional and they made the multiverse part of Doctor Strange's story and not the other way around. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's more focused like I mean, he's he's the perfect character to kind of tie those elements to and explore into more because I mean, who's going to be jumping around? I mean, they they can definitely use uh, America. Uh, uh, they could they could bring her back and kind of have you know more uh, multiverse storylines with other characters. I I mean, they have that at their disposal. But yeah, I think I mean, you know, yeah, go the, ahead. With the way Marvel movies have been going lately, I can one hundred percent guarantee you that America Chavez is going to play a very very important role in the upcoming movies just because everything so far has been dealing with the multiverse and that's kind of what we're gearing toward especially if you've been watching uh anything like loki and um you had you pretty much had to watch wandavision to have a lot of context to what's actually happening in this movie but uh i know one friend of mine uh, his big thing is that he thinks we're working towards instead of infinity war we're working towards secret wars as like the big uh, ending arc of whatever phase Marvel movies were on at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I, I've definitely heard that theory as well. Um, I think because not, in addition to Loki, which was really big on the multiverse stuff, there was also What If, which was also centered around the multiverse and, and took us to different universes. And I, I don't want to get too, too far ahead because I definitely want to touch on where the MCU is going. Um, but I think maybe we can add that to the end of this. I, one thing I do want to talk about with this movie is just how much of a horror movie it is. Did you guys oh, catch yeah. on to that as well? Oh, my oh. goodness. When Wanda started ripping apart the Illuminati, I was just in shock. 
Like, I knew she was going to kick some ass, but, I mean, when she shredded Mr. Fantastic, I was just like, oh, my God, this is happening. <laughs> this is actually happening. Bro, the, the thing the thing that, that, that surprised me and, and got me to, like, just that kind of blew my mind is the way she handled Black Bolt. I like yes. lit, li, like how he like he screams in terror and basically puts his own bullet through his head basically and that that was when I knew like this is different like this is turning out I different didn't than think what about I, it that way that is terrifying yeah. oh my goodness yeah. that that is one thousand percent like that moment Benjamin you hit it on the head because like. Uh, yeah. I had the same reaction because to that point, it was still very, you know, kind of formulaic Marvel MCU movie. And then at that point was really like because it's not just that moment, but you see her like kind of stumble in like, you know, kind of a grudge looking jerky movement with like kind of looks like Carrie covered. Yeah, in blood. yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Carrie, um, you get kind of I mean, like obviously Evil Dead. um kind of look to it as well with just like you know the black stuff coming down her face and blood and like tar looking substance and uh then yeah that moment where because i honestly going into it i was like how are they gonna fight her um and then well, john krasinski as reed richards is like threatening her with black bolt and i'm like oh that's right black bolt can just murder her and then that happened and i lost it yes yeah, that, that that turned into the Matrix a little bit there. Just uh, tell me, Mr. Richards, how can Black Bolt murder me if he can't speak? <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect reference. It, just the way, I mean, it's not just that. It was the way that she just demolished all of them. And they were just built up to be like literally like the pinnacle of power in this universe. And then yeah. she just tears through them one by one and like, Mr. Fantastic is like going through a Play-Doh machine and coming out in oh, all these God. strands. That's and such a uh, good analogy. Captain Carter getting halved. I did not expect that. That, that was, was absolutely insane. crazy. And then, um, oh goodness, who was it? He just broke like, Xavier's neck. Like, yeah, that yeah. was messed up. Yeah, <laughs> those were all like one thousand percent horror kills because. And, and they did it obviously in a very like PG thirteen way, like where you're not seeing all the the gore, but like to see someone's head like collapse in on itself like that, yeah. to see someone shredded to bits, like split in half. I think were... Captain Marvel was like the most tame death, and it was like yeah. getting crushed under like all this debris. <laughs> Dude, there were children in the seats right next to me that were like seven years old, and I was wondering how they were gonna absorb this. Um, but yeah, it was crazy, and and like a, at the Black Bolt scene, you know, I I said this before we started recording, but I was just like, am I watching the boys on Amazon Prime? Like, because like the, I mean, just it was just so gruesome. It was such a brutal kind of way to go for real it, it was absolutely like like the boys it, it didn't have all of that that blood uh because this is obviously disney and not mm -hmm. on amazon prime but uh it was the same kind of thing and it was just jarring to see that in the mcu uh mm -hmm. and it, it was great because i i love horror movies and i was glad they they got to let raimi kind of unleash that aspect 
Well, I think a really large part of it was also to show just how far gone Wanda has become uh, just because she's been under the hold of the dark hold. Like mm-hmm. normally Wanda Maximoff wouldn't do anything like that, but you know, um, doing cursed magic, uh, does make your brain go a little crazy. Yeah. yeah. Or definitely like, eye. like tainted by that, that the use of dark magic, like you're saying, what, what did you, what did you think of Wanda as the villain, Benjamin? Okay, like I said uh, before uh, we started recording, it was it was a little it was a little weird um, at first for her first few scenes because you know we saw the scene that we saw in the trailer you know she's she's clipping the flowers off the trees I'm not sure if they're she said they were apple trees or something and you know she seemed absolutely fine and normal and stuff and then all of a sudden you know Strange is like. I, she mentions America's name and then, you know, I thought it was going to, I thought it was something else. I thought, you know, she was like linked to the multiverse. Like her mind was just like going out of control and like linked to the multiverse. But then it, it just kind of surprised me. You know, she was like, Oh, I'm evil now actually. And I just lied to you. Here's <laughs> and then the whole orchard just turns to absolute blood red desolation and stuff. And, that was that was a little jarring because it was like, oh, she's evil now. I and I, I found it a little hard to believe, but as the movie progresses, she really steps in to the role of the villain like so well, like because, and I mean, like even if you rewatch, if I rewatch it, you know, her tone was just a little her her switch of tone was a little jarring, but then it just became her voice and her character, and it was. It was so it, it it was so perfect, and she's actually probably one of the best villains they've had, you know, in comparison with Thanos because you kind of still relate to her and you kind of you, you kind of still have sympathy for her in a way with her dreams of you know ha- having a normal life and children and stuff, especially when they show you know the dreams of the her having her boys and stuff. They're, those are those are really sweet, you know, dream fantasies and stuff. It really touches you. So mm. it it she definitely filled in the role really well. She went all out crazy. They kind of they showed us you know pretty well how powerful she can be and how how chaotic she can be when under under the wrong influence. So I I definitely give her performance a great two thumbs up because I I mean, yeah, it was a little jarring at first, in my opinion. Maybe I won't feel that way when I rewatch it, but she definitely like owned it and definitely one of the best villains in any of the movies, honestly. I I agree with that. I I think they Marvel has shown that when they're able to properly develop their villains, that they're they're usually... Uh, like that next tier of quality. So like you mentioned Thanos, Thanos had, you know, Infinity War was more of a story about Thanos than it was the Avengers. And yeah. so by the time we got to Endgame, like he was a a great villain uh, because he had basically his own movie. And so Wanda, I, I mentioned it um, again in the open to this. This was her like sixth M- uh, Marvel Studios project, including WandaVision. And... I think I I kind of started to relate her arc overall to 
I was thinking of Game of Thrones in uh, in Daenerys. And I don't know if you guys watch Game of Thrones or if you care about any type of spoilers. Um, I have not. Go ahead. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of people got pissed off because Daenerys is basically shown to be like a, a one of the main, main characters. And like a lot of people believe she was the one who was going to take the, the Iron Throne at the end of Game of Thrones. And ultimately in the last season, the writers kind of have her go off the deep end and, and go crazy instead. And so she ends up being not so much a hero, but more of a villain or an antagonist, at least in that story. And so it kind of like was a turn that came out of nowhere. And it was like, she was driven to madness by this lust for power to like, you know, claim what she feels like was rightfully hers. And that's kind of what I would describe happening to Wanda uh, because she has this power that she didn't ask for, but she was, you know, given this power. Um, She is tortured by losing, you know, the person she loves, which is another similarity to Daenerys. And then like, you know, trying to claim the throne, which she has every right to believe belongs to her, um loses her mind and ends up like just being chaotically evil like you had mentioned benjamin of of scarlet witch in this and so i definitely saw that parallel um it was something that it made sense especially i feel like seeing the start of that arc take shape in wandavision kind of made this make a little bit more sense you know what? And I didn't watch Wanda Arc. I mean, I'm oh, sorry, WandaVision. Uh, so uh, I, I probably, you know, I probably would have, it probably would have felt more natural if I did get filled in on that. You know, now if I did, when I do watch it, uh, I, I'm kind of curious now. I'm sure a lot of like overlapping themes will kind of make more sense mm-hmm. or be more apparent. Yeah, I, I do think that that definitely adds to it. I don't know that even all of that series is the most relevant, but at least like the last few episodes when you kind of start seeing uh, Wanda take a turn and start to really like let loose and, and see how she's struggling. Um, but so th- this movie really starts off like in the thick of things and you're seeing America and uh, like a Defenders version of Doctor Strange uh, running away from a monster. Yeah, sick dreads. Yeah, <laughs> with the ponytail. Dreads. Yeah. Um, and then so it just kind of starts. I don't know if you guys caught this. Uh, I, I just had in my notes in here. I had never soft logo. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, here, here, here's something. Here's something. I, I, I was absolutely excited because I believe. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that Shima Garoth? In, in the first fights, who was chasing America? I mean, not the first one in the dream, but the one in, you know, in the city. The name sounds familiar. I couldn't, I couldn't tell Jim you. McGrath, I, I, I don't know a whole lot, but he's like this alien overlord who has went up against, you know, the MCU. I mean, not the MCU, but like Marvel, you know, heroes a couple times. I don't really know any specific verse, but I really know him from Marvel's Capcom 2 and 3. Mm. Like... He, he he is super fun to play in those games, and the, he's the only reason I know of that character. And so I kind of gasped, like in the theater when I saw him. But yeah. I was also kind of disappointed because I was like, they just reduced Shima Garoth to just a a villain monster for just one scene. Like, but I he's too weird that maybe he couldn't be a main villain and 
a later movie or maybe he was just a, a henchman i don't know if he's got like if he's just part of a, a race and Shima Garoth is still out there. I, I don't know. I'm not that informed. Well, I think what was established in the movie is that all of those different versions of monsters and whatnot that were chasing America in all those different universes, those are all supposed to be uh, supposedly different manifestations of Wanda Maximoff while she dreamwalks. Like, that is her form in another universe. Oh, I, I think... I think you're close, because I, I don't think that's her. I think she's like summoning demons. Is yeah, is. that's what I thought too. Like I thought she found like Shimagorov somewhere and just like took over him or something. So like it, it's still her doing it, but I don't think because I don't think dreamwalking you can do that into bodies other than a variant of yourself, which is why Strange had to be Zombie Strange at the end. Yeah, <laughs> that was absolutely amazing. That was cool. It was yeah. beautiful, and that it was, was everything I didn't was, know I needed. <laughs> that right there was the Sam Raimi touch. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. No, that that was exactly the type of flavor that he brought, where it was obvious is like, this is Sam Raimi, and it just made me happy every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, the de- <laughs> the demon cape, that was cool. Um and I thought it was really cool how they brought in kind of like, you know, the themes of the underworld and stuff where they're like, oh, you are dream walking in a dead body that is forbidden. Now we'll mm. claim you and you will suffer eternal punishment or whatever. You know, right. I wonder I wonder if they could expand more on themes like that. But it, he, again, it's something Raimi decided to put in and who knows if they'll they'll do anything with it. Mm-hmm. But I really, I really like that. You know, I like the idea that, yeah, he took over his corpse and that, that played out really nice. And I had a couple of grips with the movie being convenient when like just a little convenient when it needed it. But that was a well set up like convenience or, or resolution that you didn't expect at all. Yeah. I, I, I literally remember having the thought like, why did they just send Strange through the portal as well at the beginning? Like, why did that version fall through the portal as well just to die? Like, why did why did that happen? And then later, <laughs> when he took over the body, I was like, oh, okay, that's why they did that. <laughs> yeah, that was actually really smart. Totally. Uh, another thing I thought was cool from from early on in the movie was really seeing all the sorcerers gather to defend, uh, I forget what the place is called, but yeah, the way gosh. they had their... Yes. Uh, And they had their defenses all set up and everything. And so it was cool to like see their power and like everyone come from across the world, including I had to Google this, the green like Minotaur guy um, who apparently his name is Rintra and he's an alien Hmm. and he's an alien sorcerer who looks like a green Minotaur. Oh, really? And that was cool. (laughs) I didn't notice him being green in the movie. Um, But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'd have to watch it again. Um, But that actually, I'm I'm getting off track. But uh, was there a cameo at the beginning of the movie during the wedding? Dr. West, the guy who sat next to Strange. Is that a character in the the movies that I I don't know about? um... He's a character from the first Doctor Strange. I think he was like his rival colleague who wasn't as yeah. good as him. 
Oh, okay, okay. I wasn't sure if he was like somebody very significant who has like his own backstory and stuff because I know how they like to just throw in cameos, like small ones like that. But... No, it's a it's a good uh, it's a good question because he I thought that was actually a cool interaction, even though it was you know pretty low stakes and everybody really... laughed when he said he lost his cats. Right, and then he's like, "And my brother." <laughs> the cats were the main, his main concern. Yeah. But I thought it was like he was reacting to Doctor Strange like someone probably would. Like if this was a guy you were jealous of for being such a good surgeon all those years and like you weren't as good as him. And then he goes on to be like a superhero who saved the world. <laughs> like you would have some weird, awkward interactions with that guy. Major jealousy vibes. And that's why, haha, you didn't get the girl though. And then Strange is all sad boy for a little bit. Oh, I what? have, um, so the guy you said looked like Shuma Garoth. I have a name for him. Uh, it is the creature Gargantos. That is the official oh, okay. name of the character is Gargantos. I'm going to look that up because, like, they're based on Shuma, Shuma Garoth. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading the Wikipedia for Doctor Strange right now. Okay. Cause, so it might yeah. be like a race, like you were saying, Benjamin. Yeah, because from what I've, from what little I know about the comics, Hugh McGrath is, plays uh, some interesting roles as villains. So, you know, he's just this. He he looks really much like it, but you know, more green. Uh, just this tentacle monster with the eye and stuff. See, I didn't know anything about uh, Hugh McGrath. I thought it looked like a beholder from Dungeons and Dragons. Just without the mouth. Fair, fair. Or, uh, I mean, I my mind went to Starro from they just had in, in the new Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> um, so I think one thing I thought was really cool um, was like the first time that our Doctor Strange goes into another universe. And so I wrote down here Rift Apart moment because that's exactly what it looked like. It looked like the trailer for Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart where they're oh. just like, that's true. snapping through different universes yeah i like that and honestly like that's pro i was i was thinking when i was watching that i was like no i'm gonna have to rewatch it because like it goes by so fast oh yeah because there, there could definitely be like some easter egg stuff in that sequence it would not surprise me yeah it looked like there was like a comic book dimension there for a second where everything yeah. well maybe that is uh the what if spider verse <laughs> oh that's true that's true or they they well it's interesting because going back to the illuminati uh because when professor x rolls up it they play the animated series theme yeah that was amazing i didn't catch that at first my roommate had to lean over and be like hey that's the theme song i was like oh damn it you're I right catch that either like it was it was epic it was like it was subtle so you had to like you know, recognize it when you heard it. Um, but I, so I don't know if they're implying that he is that version of the character um, or, or what, but that like, that was really cool. Um, and it was interesting to, that that is where they left like the X-Men involvement. They left the fantastic four involvement just at Mr. Fantastic, except for, I think they, they put in the line about, which was savage, by the way, where she goes, um, is is their mother alive? And he says, yes. And so that's supposed to be like a nod to the audience. Like, yes, you know, 
the Invisible Woman exists in this universe. And then oh, Wanda goes, good. oh, good. They'll have someone to take care of them. Yeah, that was that was that was kind of a that was a pretty brutal line. Yeah, those deliveries. Um, there were there were also a couple that weren't delivered so well, in my opinion. Um, can, can I talk about the end credits scene, or should we wait wait for that? Uh, let's let's wait just a little bit you. for that because I think we're I think we're almost down. no I think I think we're covered a lot of the movie so far but we're kind of jumping all over the place so I want to make sure we cover all of that um, oh yeah one thing another thing I thought was cool is is they finally land in a, in a universe and like get their footing and it's cool the way they like set up like little differences um like the um traffic lights and things like that um and then I'm just like trying to figure out the new rules of this universe and like soak in all that information. And all of a sudden, here's Bruce Campbell as Pizza Papa. As Pizza Papa. <laughs> I love the greatest it. name ever. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, Bruce Campbell. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I yeah. had to put the quote down because Pizza Papa always gets paid. <laughs> I. I I love that Raimi like literally puts Bruce Campbell in like every movie he makes. It, it was it was funny. Yeah, it, it was great. Uh, another another line from that sequence I, I I had to write down was rule number two: find food, preferably pizza. <laughs> <laughs> true that. True that. Yeah. Um, can I ask a question? Uh, what did you guys think about uh, Chavez and her? her character development so i thought uh i i thought she was a she stood out right away um i thought the actress did a really good job of playing this character that is supposed to be like afraid of her powers and everything and and then like the kind of the origin story that they like folded into it um to, to explain like oh she can't control her power so it just happens when she's afraid and it's like this vicious cycle because she was afraid like that that's what happened to her parents and all of this and so i thought it was also interesting i thought they really tried to paint the picture of her relationship with dr strange and the different versions of dr strange and like that she can't she doesn't feel like she can trust him because they are always trying to sacrifice her for the greater good which is another thing like i greater good (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't want to I want to get back to uh, America Chavez, but I also think this movie is trying to imply that Doctor Strange lied and that there could have been other ways uh, to defeat yeah. Thanos. I, I got I got that feeling, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think a lot of it goes back into the dialogue that uh, Christine had. Uh, Rachel McAdams's character that thing about how he always had to hold the knife uh, it seems like uh the Doctor Strange that we know uh, is actually the only one who's learning to like put the knife down once in a while it seems like all the other variants of Doctor Strange are like I have to be the guy that fixes everything control yeah Right. I think I think a lot of that comes from uh, the little part where he had some exposition about uh, his uh, sister that he no longer had. I think that plays a large part into his character. That's a that's that's a good connection. I didn't I didn't bridge that yet, but that... yeah, absolutely. And, and I think uh, another thing to tie that into 
is I think that the relationship with America uh, in Strange is something that's super interesting, not only to to their specific relationship, because I think that he he becomes a better like mentor and guardian like later on. And, and you show he shows that he is willing to, you know, sacrifice more of himself to, um, you know, let someone else hold the knife uh, to use the metaphor. Um, and I think this is my just me trying to inject Spider-Man into everything. But I think part of it that this strange is so unique is because even though he doesn't know who Spider-Man is anymore because of No Way Home, he does remember who's like Spider-Man, the hero Spider-Man, and he yeah. has a history with Spider-Man. Um, so like, I think he still kind of retained those skills from like, from infinity war through no way home where he's being kind of, you know, a, a mentor, uh, to Peter. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a, that's a good connection. And it just kind of like developed to the point where now, you know, he's making more of a sacrifice and he's really taking it on himself to make sure that, you know, America can survive and they can still save the multi. Like it's, it's not the universe. This is, this is the multiverse. Like it's not low stakes at all. Oh yeah, I mean he, I mean he picked up and started dove into the dark hole. You know, he was he was willing to, willing to take that risk. And so, well, I think a big part of that was he got to see firsthand the consequences of an incursion. And I think if he had not seen that, then he probably wouldn't have thought too much of it. But I think having to see that in his alternate self, who was under the hold of the dark hold, that was probably a big thing to him. Like, oh, God, I got to fix this now. Yeah. I also had another note here. Um, so that evil version of Strange that was like murdering all the others. Um, I really felt like. This may have been me just kind of reading into things, but there's a moment where there's like a circular window in that like tower that he's in and he's walking and he's like explaining like to our Doctor Strange that basically he is trying to like be a savior of the multiverse by killing all of these Doctor Strange variants. And like while he's having that conversation, he turns and looks at him and he's in the middle of that circular window and it's it's like the Christ like imagery there and Ooh. i was like this is very much I, I would not be surprised if that was intentional of sam raimi to to do that because if you go back and rewatch that scene at some point like it really looks like this guy thinks of himself as you know like the savior yeah i i agree definitely a lot on that yeah that's a really good point don't uh can we can we talk about uh the uh that that encounter with uh that uh the the and the fight between both doctor stranges yeah absolutely okay i really i actually really like this um i i'm not one to always gush over like sequences and stuff um because you know i know that's where they put their budget but uh that that fight with the musical notes and stuff Mm -hmm that was brilliant and and the thing that's that really kicked it off and started it is when he threw him into the piano and then it played that uh dissonance chord like like in a, like you know the kind of chord you hear in a horror movie and stuff mm-hmm. 
that was one of the few times I really kind of praised Mar a Marvel movie for its audio. Because usually, you know, they have the stereotype, like their 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 audio and their their score. It fills in the movie, but it's not memorable all the time, except for you know the Avengers theme. Obviously, everybody remembers that theme. Um, but I I really like that sequence, that fight. It was really cool as as a music appreciation appreciator myself. And I, I I thought that was one of my favorite scenes for real. Yeah, as someone who uh, like my life is music, I have a degree in music business, and that entire sequence was really really well done for a lot of different reasons. But I think my absolute favorite detail that I kind of just put together as you were talking, um, so when uh, when Doctor Strange starts throwing the musical notes, it's the piano, and I. I didn't think much of it at first, but now thinking about it, that's kind of interesting for someone who like their whole thing was their hands. Like the entire oh, first yeah. movie, the one they wanted to go to Camartage to repair their hands. And now here they are using a percussive instrument that you play with your hands. And I just thought that was a really, really cool detail. And all the notes were extremely intricate. And then, of course, you have bad Doctor Strange, who's just coming in and going, bah, 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 just like really, really heavy noise. And it's just like you can tell that he's definitely uh, not himself lately. And I just thought that the uh, the back and forth there was extremely, extremely well done. So huge shout outs to Danny Elfman for that. Oh, yeah. Um you, you and you could kind of tell like uh our doctor strange from 616 like was throwing like i, I kind of want to say like jazzy notes like something that's like kind of like a melodic minor and then uh evil doctor strange was like throwing like a lot of dissonance and and like dark minor kind yeah, of yeah as as and, the kids would say they were throwing some bars yeah <laughs> that, is, that is good you know it's so funny i I have a note about that scene here. I just it just says musical battle sequence so unique um, because that was really what I thought. And I'm just so glad that I had the two of you on for for this because that was so cool. And I just hearing you guys talk about like your point of view watching it um, just made me appreciate it even more so. Um, so because that was really cool. And I just thought it was a unique way to have a battle and just make it not more of the same because I think you do run into that a lot with Marvel stuff is a mm -hmm. lot of the fights end up looking pretty samey. Yeah. Raimi ain't samey though. <laughs> <laughs> Get it trending. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, oh then God. the, it kind of brings us to like the culmination, the final battle there that I also had a note I need to share where I just wrote down Skyrim temple, uh, because that is where <laughs> <laughs> this dark hole mountain basically is it's a snowy mountain carved out of stone and it's also where the final battle takes place and so you got undead doctor strange may as well be a draugr uh fighting up there that was just the vibe i got from the first time they they showed that Fair mountain enough. all we need now is a little bit of the thum and we're good yes um can uh who the the guy who's the sorcerer supreme is his name Wan Wong or Wong yeah which is um, the actor's last name by the way Benedict yeah. Wong really okay I had a little grip with like yeah they threw him uh, like yeah Scarlet Witch threw him off the off the cliff and you know he didn't like you know his his little hook shot thing didn't 
didn't actually land and stuff. And I was thinking, you know, obviously he's going to be okay. Like, that's not mm-hmm. his death. But I found it a little hard to believe that dude was, like, laying on his back. And his back wasn't fucked up enough that he could immediately just start scaling the wall immediately <laughs> and rock climbing. Yeah. That, well, that think about. Yeah, me. but think about how uh, their powers also fix Doctor Strange hands. Like they got to fortify that's, their body and soul to like do the stuff that they do. So, like for all you know, if he like stopped using his powers, maybe he's a paraplegic, and we just don't. Yeah. Know that. Yeah, that that is the key here, uh, Benjamin. Hey. Is, is is Wong as a sorcerer has access to what's called plot armor? <laughs> okay, <laughs> as Richard just explained there. No, no, I guess yeah. If we want to get super technical into the lore of of comic books, they would have like enhanced uh, durability due to their oh, their yeah. sorcery. Uh, but I, I get what you're saying because. My issue was not like with how we caught up to him and it was more so that they did that and we all knew he was not actually dead. True that, true that. But the the yeah. scene was really cool of him falling off. It was a cool yeah. shot. It just didn't yeah. have that like emotional payoff. It wasn't like, you know, seeing Gamora or Black Widow go off the the cliff, you know. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was more like uh, dropping the baby penguin off the cliff in Mario 64. That's what <laughs> I felt like. That's fair. That's another fair comparison. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what would you guys think of the resolution? So basically what happens, I'm going to summarize this in probably the most condescending way uh, just to, you know, create commentary. But basically, Doctor Strange uses the power of love and magic and evil magic to possess his zombie version uh, and then motivate America. He tells America that she can do it, that she can control her power. And then America goes, well, I'm not going to beat you, witch. I'm going to show you what you want. Like, literally, that's her line or something like that. That part of showing her was a good move. But I will say that the words of encouragement from Strange was a little bit cheesy. It was a little cheesy, but and, and I do agree with you because I I, uh, I do like that that was the way to defeat, quote unquote, defeat Scarlet Witch is not that you are more powerful than her. It's that she ultimately is still a human deep down and, and is overcome by human emotion and shame. Uh, yes. by what she's become shame is the right word and uh that was very apparent in the scene where you know she attacked the mother and the kids are just running in fear that was a great scene like i have no complaints about that scene it, it was very much showing kind of the reality of how twisted and messed up the whole thing is yeah, th- those kids sold that performance there at the oh, end. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, those, like th- those kids are good, like, natural actors. Holy shit. They, were, they, they had the faces, the, the sobs, and everything. They were terrified. Yeah, they, they did do a great job. And, uh, I mean, I just tore down child acting in, in our Harry Potter episode. <laughs> but they, this was good kid acting in this movie and and probably is a benefit from them playing those characters for a couple episodes on, on WandaVision that they weren't just like trying to make this up on the spot. They actually had something to, to pull from. 
Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. I, I still haven't seen it, but now I'm curious. Yeah, they, they do a good job on that show. I, I did think this was better. They, they probably got to show off a little bit more, um, like being mm-hmm. afraid. Uh, but it worked. And so then ultimately, Scarlet Witch, you know, realizes what she's done and, and that she needs to stop this, put an end to this. And she she tears down the wall. Oh, that's the other thing. The spells are carved into the stone. <laughs> that's Skyrim, right? <laughs> you have so, a point. So she breaks the, the, the stone and the dark hold as that's inscribed in the stone is is no more. But they leave it ambiguous about what happens to her. And obviously she's not like dead or gone like completely because um, they're going to have to pull her back for something. Uh, but they don't show what happens to her unless I missed it. Uh, what did you guys think of that? Uh... Honestly, I didn't really catch if they did anything weird just because at the time I really had to go to the bathroom. And my mind was like preoccupied with trying <laughs> to watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> I, I do remember seeing like a big red flash of light as the temple was collapsing so i don't know if that was something but um honestly if wanda does need to come back maybe one of her uh maybe the one that survived in the other universe maybe she'll have to do some weird multiverse shenanigans yes yes i am i'm going to use that as a good segue to start talking about the post-credit scene and what is being set up here Uh. uh because I, I obviously the multiverse has been a big overarching theme. Like that's where the next Avengers level Avengers level threat is like the in-universe term uh, for what's going on. And it sounds like it's going to be an incursion because uh, we hear we are we explained what that is, that it's universes colliding. Um, and then Charlize Theron shows up in the mid credit scene as I had to look this up also as Clea, apparently. I didn't and- know was one but you know i didn't either character yeah so clea apparently is someone who carries the mantle of sorcerer supreme after dr strange's death in the comics i i guess they maybe have a relationship or they're married um and she becomes the sorcerer supreme at some point uh so i just think it's awesome like that that's Charlize their own because she's awesome she's one of the the best like action uh, actresses working right now right you know mad max yep mad max even if like if if you know dumb fun is your thing then she's been in the last few fast and furious movies too oh yeah so i think what we've been seeing is this incursion event that is going to ultimately cause universes to collide um a la secret wars like you were talking about richard yeah that would be pretty interesting to see so what happens in Secret Wars, and, and to be totally honest, like I've not read it, but uh, I've read like, you know, summaries and synopsis. Uh, so my understanding is that universes collide and the original Secret Wars was the ultimate universe uh, and the Earth 616 universe colliding. And what that did is, is caused different versions of characters to exist in one shared universe, like a new continuity and so in the comics that's basically just a way to keep characters you like and hit reset on others uh but here they're actually gonna do probably the exact same thing because they still need to introduce the x-men the fantastic four they've got 
actors that have been playing the same characters for 10 plus years now that they maybe need to phase out and bring in some new people. And it just makes the most sense in the world to do that type of story to make all of that stuff happen for Disney. Oh, yeah. Um, and that reminds me, uh, just a little side note. Uh, I, I saw in a little article piece, I'll scroll on, uh, that Benedict Cumberbatch says he wants to play Doctor Strange for the next 10 years. And I thought that was really cool. Like, that gives a lot of, like, different material to work off of. Yeah, I saw that, too. Uh, um, he, honestly, he really sells it as Doctor Strange. Like, he I does. was skeptical at first, but my God, the man is Doctor Strange. Well, mm-hmm. and I think that, I think he did a good job in the first one. And, and I, I, I was generally pretty okay with the first one. I it was probably, like, the most neutral uh, of an MCU movie, I, I've had like had a reaction to. <laughs> uh, yeah, that movie was mostly just, "Hey guys, look, we got a CGI department now." <laughs> yeah, and so I think this one was a big step up for me. I think it had more originality, um, and I think that the the cast as a whole, they all had more to do, um, and. I think it was a great move to just let them go kind of crazy with like different variants of the same characters and stuff like that. Um, or, you know, Wanda, um, Elizabeth Olsen getting to play a villain as a character that we have always seen as a hero. Um, like I thought this one really stepped it up from, from the first Dr. Strange. Oh yeah, definitely. This is, this, this pretty much hits all the fundamental points on what makes a great sequel in general. Like you, you, you expand the universe in meaningful ways and you expand on the characters and go on more in depth. Um, and there's, there's another point I know I've, I've read like some thesis, um, on, on sequels and what makes good sequels. Um, but this one pretty much hit most of the nails on the head on what, on how you make a good sequel in general. Mm-hmm. So, yeah this is definitely way way better than the first one and yeah and I, again like i do like the i i like the first one for the cgi and stuff and but i do realize the first one is a little slow at sometimes it is tough too when you're doing an origin story like you're always kind of True. slowed down a little bit with those yeah. um and so going back to like the multiverse and where we're going with this like We've obviously seen Kang introduced in Loki, who is going to be a big, you know, villain is the assumption. Um, And then we have the incursion event that is being put in motion now here with, you know, the potential for a Secret Wars type of thing to merge universes and have different characters merged into the main uh, MCU continuity. I also think we've just seen this like explosion of like power levels and, and beings like beyond superheroes, like we had the oh, Eternals yeah. and like oh, they, yeah. they really introduced hammered, not introduced, but hammered home the idea of the Celestials as well. Um, and then Thor uh, Love and Thunder is the next movie to come out. And that obviously has the Norse gods in that mythology. They have uh, they're going to have the Greek gods because like Zeus is in it. And uh, Gore, the God Butcher is the villain played by uh, Christian Bale. Um, and then Moon Knight, I, I've been watching Moon Knight as well, has like the Egyptian pantheon of gods as well. And so we're seeing gods, eternal celestials, like there's going to be some big shit happening here. <laughs> and Are that's you... without mentioning like uh, 
Dormammu because we see Strange and Clea going into the dark dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just insane. Oh, yeah. Um, I agree. Um, can I talk about the ending real quick? Yeah, go for it. I had <laughs> Okay, so I had a little grip with it. Like, I thought... First of all, I loved like how it ended before the post credit scene. It was like you know he he collapses on the crosswalk, mm. starts having pounding migraine, and then the third eye opens. I thought that was a perfect way to end it, and then I feel like they just kind of scrapped it. They just took away the effect when they showed the post credit scene because you know what's her name shows up, and you know she's like we have to fix this. And then she kind of delivers that line pretty cheesily. She's like, unless you're afraid. Um, but, and he's like, oh, no, nah, let's go. And, and <laughs> then his eye opens up. And I was like, what the fuck? You, you, you just, like, disregarded how you just ended that scene. Like, like, keep us in suspense and wonder, like, at the end of the movie. All of a sudden, like, that didn't even matter. Like, he, oh, he went crazy. But now it seems like he's fine. He's got control over it. Yeah, the dude gets access to the fourth dimension. And in two seconds, he's just, oh, okay, fine. I can perceive this now. Right. <laughs> no additional side effects needed. Right. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely clunky. I'm glad you made that point because you get this like pure Sam Raimi ending like stinger, which was great. I agree with you. Like if we were able to end it there. But it's like, no, we have to, it's Marvel, so we have to have two post-credit or mid-credits and a post-credit scene. Uh, and it, you're right, because I definitely do feel like Sam Raimi probably fought for that ending scene. And then Marvel was like, no, but we have to have this happen afterwards. And they probably were like, well, the compromise is we'll make the eye appear uh, again before the scene is over. <laughs> Yeah, and that was, yeah, that that was like one of my only grips with the ending. Um, but it was pretty funny how they kind of trolled us with the with the post credit scene, and Bruce Campbell is just like he's still hitting <laughs> himself. This was this was such a great payoff for his cameo. Like he's still hitting himself. That he stops. He just like looks at the audience. He's like, "It's over. It's over." <laughs> That's that was that, that was actually. Brilliant. I had another fourth wall break uh, in my notes. Did you guys catch this earlier in the movie? Uh, catch what? So uh, it's it's the first time that Scarlet Witch dreamwalks, and she's taking over the like domestic mom version of Wanda, and she's like collapsing and kind of walking towards like a. Um, I think there's a mirror or something there and she's like hold then like finally is overtaken and is like holding herself up there and she turns and looks directly at the camera uh and it was such a horror movie fourth wall break like yeah I'm possessed now like shit's going down <laughs> I don't think I caught that or maybe uh, no I don't think I caught that I thought I noticed something like that in the midway of the movie but maybe uh I'll have to watch it again that does sound good, though. It was just a little thing. Like, it was it was very brief, but I swear that was intentional. Um, so something to look out for. Uh, so, go ahead, Richard. My little thing that I wanted a little bit more info on is when he arrived, when they arrived to the new universe and he's talking to Mordo and he's just like, yeah, the Mordo in my universe kind of went crazy and wants to kill me. What happened there? 
there's actually there's absolutely no exposition as to what happened there. We got the we got the one uh, post credit scene in Doctor Strange, but past that, we don't know anything about our universe's Mordo. Right. I yeah. I I've been thinking about that for years now, and then you know I thought this was going to be when I saw the trailers and stuff, and he was in the trailers. I thought this was going to be the resolution of that, but no. Nah, I mean, no. Now yeah. we just pissed off another Mordo. Right, right. I thought it was it was the same one, and this was the, like the continuation of the end of of the first movie. Uh, but that's actually another good segue because there's like at the same time we're setting up this multiverse incursion thing, like we're also in the MCU setting up a Young Avengers team. I don't know if you guys have caught on to this, but so obviously Spider Man is pretty young. Um, America Chavez would fit that Kate Bishop was on Hawkeye would fit that um, Billy and Tommy uh, Wanda's kids are Wiccan and speed. They would fit that um, in uh, the Falcon and the winter soldier. We also see uh, Eli Bradley who becomes a super soldier in the comics as well um, and would fit that type of young team. And then uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is another movie. I think that, I think that's still coming out this year, but they recast uh, Cassie Lang. So you can expect that person to have more of a, of a role moving forward. So I would also see that as being someone who could be part of a young Avengers team, uh, which would be really interesting whether they do like a TV series or if they do a movie of a young Avengers. You know, I wouldn't put past uh, Disney and Marvel to try and recreate the magic of the first Avengers you know, in a, into another movie. So, you know, Spider-Man being the face of a young Avengers seems like a pretty, like, business-safe decision. Yeah, and Spider-Man I'm not super confident in because, like, Sony owns the rights, so Marvel might not try and tie too much into a character they don't own exclusively. Um, but I definitely have seen, starting to see the seeds of, of young Avengers being planted here the other thing too um with mordo uh because mordo is kind of an evil sorcerer so kind of like an evil counterpart to dr strange we've also been seeing if you've watched the um well if you watch black widow or if you watch the uh disney plus series we're starting to see the dark avengers being assembled as well is that like the legion of doom or something Kind of. So in the, in the comics, I actually did read um, part of this run. Uh, so the Dark Avengers are a team that in the comics is assembled by Norman Osborn. And so Norman Osborn becomes the Iron Patriot. Uh, so he gets a hold of Iron Man's armor and rebrands himself as the Iron Patriot. Uh, and then he builds a team of like people with similar powers to heroes. So like in, in the comics, we get... Um, Dakin, who is like Wolverine's son, who has those powers. You get um trying to think of some of the other other characters. Like Bullseye becomes Hawkeye. Um, so like and also very similar powers. And so it's that kind of thing where you're getting like the evil counterpart to like build out an Avengers team. Hmm. And so they've been doing this in the the Disney Plus shows, and it's Julia Louis Dreyfus, uh so people will recognize from Seinfeld as Elaine and she shows up at the end of Black Widow and is showing up in uh, like 
uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and is putting clearly putting together a team, much like Nick Fury was in the first you know, phase one movies of the MCU. And so we've already seen U.S. agent, uh, who's kind of the evil Captain America. Uh, Yelena could potentially be an evil Black Widow. She's already working with her. Abomination showed back up in Shang-Chi, who is an evil Hulk. Uh, we see White Vision at the end of WandaVision, who could be an evil Vision. Um, then some other ones that I think could likely happen, but we haven't like really seen any confirmation yet. We just had the Venom symbiote left behind in Spider-Man No Way Home, so we could end up seeing either a symbiote black suit Spider-Man as an evil version, or Venom, which would be awesome. Uh, you could also have Agatha Harkness uh, as like an evil Scarlet Witch uh, potential, um, if they make Scarlet Witch good again. You could have Mordo as the evil Doctor Strange, I said, and then Iron Patriot could actually come to fruition in uh, the Disney Plus series Armor Wars. Um, that's going to have War Machine um, in that one. So that's another thing they're setting up. And I'm really, really curious to see how they're going to weave like these multiple storylines together. Interesting. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, a lot of, wow, there's a lot of different works at play and stuff. Yes. And thank you both for indulging me on that rant uh, because <laughs> I needed to share that. Uh, because if that actually does happen on screen at some point, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I will too. Yeah, that. Well, I hope they. It would be dope to see Willem Dafoe as as Iron Patriot, but I know that's not gonna happen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did now. <laughs> uh, wait, what? Don't did you know how much he's sacrificed? <laughs> Back did, to formula. Wait, did he die in No Way Home? I don't remember. Uh. I think he died because he tried to, didn't he do the same thing where he tried to kill people and then he killed himself again? Or am I making that up? I don't remember. How, how is it I don't remember that? <laughs> All right, all it's time to rewatch that. No Way Home. <laughs> all I remember is that Tom Holland tried to kill him and Toby's like, no! <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah, Dang. and we all thought Toby died and then the cowards didn't do it, but I'm glad they didn't do it. <laughs> oh, spoilers. <laughs> hey, uh, they knew what they were signing up for at this portion of the episode. <laughs> and then the recording bot that they used to record their podcast decided to take a dive off of a cliff and was never heard from again, thus ending the episode prematurely before TJ could agree with us and give the movie four and a half stars because he is unoriginal. Thank you for tuning in this week, and we'll probably see you again next week or at some point in the future. Until then, here's some Monty Python outro music.